Welcome to the Super Friends Podcast, where we talk about comics, superheroes, and all things related and in between. I'm Brody. And I'm Brian. And today, we're going to be talking about Man of Steel. And not just, you know, the Man of Steel. This isn't going to be a general conversation about our one and only Man of Steel. This is going to be about Man of Steel. I know that's confusing. But, Brian, give us some clarification. Right. So, <laughs> we're talking about Man of Steel, the movie uh, starring Henry Cavill. And directed by Zack Snyder. It's a classic. Okay, it's not. I, I still say it's a classic. I don't know other people say it's a classic, but I say it's a classic. It's one of the greatest superhero movies I have ever seen. It's 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 Superman. It's another origin story, but it's done very differently. So it's not like you're rewatching kind of the same thing over and over again. It's very different from what from other origin stories you've seen before. Um, where even Krypton looks really different. I like how they do that. And yeah. we see later, we see the whole, he faces Zod first instead of usually like Lex Luthor. Um, he's not even like Clark Kent the whole time. It's, he smells it the whole time. He's trying to discover who he is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be really interesting because we just finished our review of the Christopher Reeves movies. And like, not including Superman Returns, which was basically a Christopher Reeves sequel. Yeah. Like, a secret Christopher Reeves sequel. Like, this was the next iteration of Superman. And that's sad that, like, there hasn't been one since then. Because this movie came out a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> Rip. <laughs> like, what? what is it? Like, what? Like, we've had really good... Um, we, we've only had one other Superman since then. With, I guess you could count Tom Welling because Tom Welling was Superman before this movie. It's true. Superman was he was Superman, but like no big screen Superman. Yeah, and Tyler Hecklin is like, he's amazing. He's amazing. I love his. He has a different take though. Like he has this dad Superman, which I absolutely adore. It's my favorite kind of Superman, if I'm being honest. But the great version. I love that. It's it's because. It was a, and I know this isn't about Superman and Love, so I'll keep this short. But it was a very smart move to move Superman past where nobody else really has gotten to him yet. Because everybody gets him. They do an origin story for their Superman. They're like, hey, we want to do an origin story for our Superman. And then they only have, with like Cavill Superman, not that much time at all with their Superman. With Christopher Reeves, four movies, but. How much of an like, actual character progression did he make in those four movies? Like, he told Lois his identity twice and mind wiped her two times. So, like, yep. <laughs> he didn't make a lot of progression. So, instead, they just threw it out all the window, had like a 10, like, five minute sequence at the beginning of the show where they just said, Yeah, that was my life. Everything was super awesome. And then I got married and I had kids. And yeah, that's my life now. And yep. it's like, and then it just, the whole show is just the rest of him being like dad Superman. Which is, I love it. But this, Henry Cavill, does an amazing job. I'm going to add a caveat, because if I don't, I will trip myself up a bunch of times with how I sometimes think about how some things are represented. This is a multiverse. There's a multiverse. Cavill Superman can act any way he wants, because he doesn't have to act like every other Superman in the multiverse. So I'm not going to say, oh, that's not something Superman would do. Because in this Superman, he would do it. So I'm just going to 
create that caveat for myself. If you hear me trying to say it, Brian, just stop me and say, bro, it's the multiverse. Get over it. The multiverse, get over it. Get over your bias. Uh, I will try, but you know me. Sometimes I cap. Sometimes I need help shutting up. Yeah, we're both just, we're both going to get on different tangents at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm All right. Take us into the plot overview, Brian. All right. Here we go. So basically, the whole movie starts off with Superman's birth on Krypton, where people aren't born naturally like they used to, like like people on Earth do. You know, they have like uh, the Genesis Chamber where babies are grown there, and then they're just basically delivered to a parent, and they're just bred to be certain things. So Superman being born was a huge thing. He can do whatever he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Dorel, after Superman's born, goes to talk to the Council of Krypton and be like, dude, this isn't a... We need to leave the... The planet is dying. And they're like... And Marlon Brando's Jor-El, they're like, we don't believe you. But with Jor-El, they're like, well, what else are we supposed to do? What do you want me to do? And then Jor-El's like, not harvest from our core, because that's literally suicide. Yeah. And then Zod... The part and, is when he's literally like, you... You can't do anything. <laughs> You're dead. You're going to die either way. Yeah, so he's suggesting of like taking the codex, which is like the uh, DNA. It's the, uh, it's, it is DNA, but it's like it's the, genetic the genetic code, code. Mm-hmm. for all, for all of Kryptonian life. And that's kind of what they're pulling from is like this skeleton. Mm-hmm. Which is now just a skull. And then Zod shows up and he starts a coup because he's like, because he and Jorel agree that the planet's dying. Just Jorel is like, we need to just abandon the planet and go to these other outposts. Mm-hmm. And where Zod is like, oh, there's still time. We can just take over the world. And there's not time. Because then Jorel steals the codex and then Zod hunts him down back to his house and he fuses and him. And Zod does it on a freaking Kryptonian dragon thing. Yeah, he does. And it's awesome. Which I think we need to know more about that. I want to order the creatures of this Krypton because they got some really interesting looking creatures. But then he takes the, he gets back to his Citadel or his house and he uploads the codex into Baby Kellel. You know, gets the ship ready and then Zod shows up. And then Zod and Jorel fight. And then Jorel beats him. And then, but then Zod's still talking to Laura, Jorel's wife, and he's like, he's like, don't do this. And Laura's like, suck. And pushes the launch button so then Jorel <laughs> gets shot up. And then. Zod turns around and stabs Jor-El and kills him. And then goes out and says, hey, shoot down that ship. And then the rest of the Kryptonians, they, they blow up that ship that was going to try to shoot down Cal's pod. And they're like, Zod. And they capture him. And then Zod gets sent to the Phantom Zone after an epic speech. Yeah. And I think this um, is one of the only versions where Jor dies before Lara. Usually they yeah. die together. But... The, yeah, they usually die together. So this was kind of interesting to see then. That kind of, and usually Cal's already been born when the story picks up. So it's interesting that like the movie opens with the literal cries of the first person to go through childbirth, and like in centuries, centuries. Like Laura is completely alone in this. Like all she has with her is like a <laughs> robot that's basically Kelex, but they call it Corex or Clorex. Yeah. And Jor-El. Like, those are the only thing. And Jor-El somehow convinced her to go through labor pains. <laughs> He's like, this is a good idea. And she goes, all right, cool. No, 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 she got no weird that. And then 
they send Jordan, um, they send Zod the Phantom Zone, and then Krypton explodes in a very dramatic fashion. I forgot to mention earlier, there's like this huge battle sequence as Jorah's flying on the dragon thing to go get the uh, the Codex. There's like this uh-huh. epic sci-fi battle that's happening between like the Council of Krypton's army, well the Kryptonian army, and General Zod's army. There's this huge yeah. like battle, and it's super cool looking. And uh, and then as Krypton explodes, we see then. Uh, we see Kal-El exit a wormhole next to Saturn, which I will nerd about in either a different episode or just a Brody later. Because I'll get way off topic with this. He <laughs> exits a wormhole near Saturn, and then as he crashes on Earth, then he see like he's like an adult and yeah, but not so like oh, he's already at the Daily Planet. He's like has a fake identity working mm-hmm. on a, a shipping boat. A shipping but boat. But what I love about it is the Krypton scenes are over like weeks like Kalil is born and then the council which that you can hypothetically say that all happens on the same day because like he's like still basically like like a baby like very close together and then he leaves the council and then he steals the codex and then like this all happens in rapid succession but then it's the council where they like a little bit afterwards, the council's gotten back on their feet. They're obviously out of whatever prisons off threw them in, and they send them to the fam zone. And then even a little later, Lars wearing like a different outfit, and then that's Krypton's like end. So it's like, yeah, most versions, it's like Cal survives yeah. by the nick of his teeth. Like he's here, and the planet's blowing up like right here. Like in Christopher Reeves, that's exactly yeah. what happened. He barely escaped. But yeah, with this one, it could be a couple days, could be a couple weeks. We don't yeah. really know. We know some time has obviously passed. I, I would imagine just a few days, yeah. at the very least, a few days. At the very most, a couple weeks. Yeah. But who knows? And then we see. So then, after the his pod crash ends, we like jump forward in time, because of course Christopher Nolan was involved in this movie. So of course we're gonna make wicked time jumps back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um. So then we see, like, there's this oil rig that's on fire, and then Superman, and he's got, like, his beard, too. He's trying to not look like Clark goes and gets on this, the oil rig, and he saves these guys and gets them on, like, a helicopter. The Coast Guard came to get him, and then he jumps in just in time to catch, like, this falling um, tower. Yeah. So the Coast Guard can get out, and the whole thing collapses and blows up. And then when he's in the water, he's, like, out. He's, like, you know, passed out. Because he's falling in the water. And then he has this flashback to when he was a kid. And he's in school. And he's first getting his powers. And he's like, can see through his teacher. He can hear the clock. He's like freaking out. And then locked himself in the closet in school. And the teacher's like, hey, we called your mom. And I'm like, what made you think he wanted to hear that in front of all the kids? Like, who wants to hear that? And then his mom comes up. And he tells her the world's too big because he can hear and see everything. So it's like really messing with him. I do think they a lot. I think in most Superman iterations, they don't lean heavily into how frightening that would be to be able to see and hear literally anything in the entire world. And they make yeah. it very clear how awfully frightening, how much control that takes in this movie. One with Cal at the beginning with Superman as a little kid. And two, when Zod comes and he knocks off his like, environment something safety suit and zod gets an influx of all his senses it it's like, like cripples zod. like zod's this like super powerful general and it like cripples zod 
Yeah. Like, we see with Cal as a kid, it freaks him out, but we see as odd as an adult how painful it is. Yeah. And I like how – I do like Kate, just just for a second. I like how with um, John in um, – no, John, sorry, Jordan in Superman and Lois, how we see that throughout the show. Every time he gets a new power, it's some sort of, like, mm-hmm. it hurts or it's painful or it freaks him out, and it's, like, because well, it's and terrifying. It's like they added that other element of, like, he also has, like, anxiety. Um, not spoil – Maybe little spoilers for season three, maybe not. But he hasn't had X-ray vision the entire show. And then I won't say whose operation or what's happening, but there's an operation happening in the hospital and he's outside because he doesn't watch it. And that's when his X-ray vision kicks in and he can watch like the whole, like he's trying not to watch, but he can see through the wall and he still has to watch like the whole operation. He can see everything. It's freaky, but, it, like, they did it so good, and his brother has to, like, comfort him. His brother plays, like, the role of, like, the mom of, like, helping him calm down and be able to, like, get it under control. Yeah, I do like that relationship between Jordan and Jonathan is their – how they get close, especially with Jonathan, because he has different struggles throughout the show. We'll talk about that later. I'm going to get in the hand. But then um, his mom says, he make the, you know, imagine her voice in Ireland and swim toward it. So it helps show, like, how he's able to – Narrow it down. Narrow it down so you can focus on just one thing. And then we flash back that he's in the water and the whale is like, hey, wake up, buddy. Um, <laughs> it's literally like, Whoa. That's literally what happen. The whale is saying, wake and up. And he like, opens his eyes. <laughs> and then we see him get on a, uh, you know, swim to shore and steals, has to steal some clothes because most of his clothes are burned off. Mm-hmm. And then he's walking through town with his new stolen clothes. Watch out! Some people are like Superman stealing. I'm like, he's not Superman yet. He doesn't even go by Clark Kent. Um, multiverse. Multiverse. <laughs> um, and then we see back in time again when he's a kid, and he's on a school bus, and this kid's bullying him with like the craziest, insulting names, name calling that I've ever heard. And it cracks me up every time I watch the movie. <laughs> it's the funniest. I'm like, what are these names? But then, uh, but then the bus crashes and falls in the river. And all these kids are starting to drown. You see Clark, he knows what to do. Just, you know, so he opens yeah. the back door and then you see like the bus get pushed out of the river and it's Clark pushing the whole thing up. And then, you know, Lana uh, can see, I'm assuming that's supposed to be Lana. If not, then yeah, it's like, not. why would they say Lana if then that wasn't Lana? Yeah. But then he jumps back in the river and pulls out the bully who even fell out. He saves him. And then, then it's the, the kid who was bullying him and his mom talking to Clark's parents, more, more or less kind of like, like, I would assume grateful that Clark saved him, but almost like, okay, how, though? Because this is the first time Clark has done something like this. How on earth is he pushing a bus out of the, yeah. you know? And then Clark's out on the, you know, outside, and his dad goes to talk to him. And, you know, he says, what am I supposed to do, Dad? Just let him die? And he goes, maybe. And I know that's, like, some people are like, okay, dad's saying let him die. I'm like, okay, I don't think his dad is saying that. I think his dad is also like, I don't know what you should have done in that situation. Yeah, like, there's no good answer, so... There's no good answer either. Yeah, I say let them die so that you don't get your identity caught, or I say save them and worry about, you know, the government coming to experiment on you. Because we see in Flashpoint, that's exactly what happened. Okay, this is a little off kilter, but I did. Maybe I should wait till we get to this point in the overview. But Zod says that the beacon that Cal Clark activates in the Arctic is the only reason they found him. So how the heck did they find Supergirl? Because she was locked up the entire time. (laughs) 
It's a plot hole. I I'm don't know. Saying. Now you bring that up. You're, that's a good point. I didn't actually think about that. I can't watch Man of Steel and think about other movies. I'm just so enthralled with the movie. I can't. The movie's good. And it's not Man of Steel's fault. They didn't have to prepare for... It's The Flash's fault for being a faulty script. <laughs> yeah. That's... I just... I didn't remember that line until I just watched Man of Steel. And I was I... like... like I think I was just Flash so excited to see Michael Shannon as General Zod. Yeah. To realize that that was a plot hole. Yeah, I was just so excited to see him that I was like, "Wait, that doesn't make sense." Uh, that's but anyway, yeah, keep going. So, oh, another thought I had, and a big—I know people have problems with it, with how Jonathan's character is represented. My only big problem with Jonathan um, is the tornado scene. I think that's the dumbest scene in the entire world. But everything else, I attribute to New Fifty Two, Jonathan. Um, I know Brian loves the New 52 comics, and this is New 52 Superman. I mean, he still has his mom, so he has that one up on New 52 Superman. But, so, the basis of New 52 Superman is the Justice Society never existed, so Superman is the first superhero ever. And so, most continuities, his dad is like, Show your powers like you don't have to be afraid, like you're meant for great things because he knows and everybody knows there used to be heroes in the world and Clark would just be the next generation of heroes. In the New 52, his parents tell him exactly what Jonathan tells him in this movie. Don't show your powers. The world's not ready for you. They've never seen anything like this. Like you need to hide this. When they find out they're going to kill you is kind of his mentality. Because he does, yeah. they still have no Clark's limits. No one is, they're not like Shazam where they're like, shoot him in the face. Mm-hmm. You know, they never tried that. They don't know his limits. They know he's powerful. They just don't know if he's like, yeah. Hurt. That's why he's so scared. And that's why that scene, he goes, maybe because he doesn't know what to do. He's, yeah. Which I'm like, I know it's like, even when I watch my mom, she's sometimes she's like, what the heck? Just let him die. I'm like, I don't think that's what he's saying, though. I mean, he, I mean, you could take as in Jonathan is saying, kill the children, but I don't think that's what he's saying. <laughs> I don't think that's what my mom's saying either, though. But I think what I think personally, what Jonathan is saying is more or less, I don't know what you should have done. I think it was good saving people. Those great instincts are just going to help make you a great person. But mm-hmm. I'm terrified that if some higher up government person finds out, they're just going to come take you away. Because even Martha says that later on, how she was scared that they were he was going to be taken away from them. Yeah. Because it wasn't just oh, cool, an alien. He was he is their son. Yeah. They care about his well being first. Which is a great line where he says, where he says, can I just pretend, can I just go back to pretending that I'm your son? And I was like, every time, dude, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, come on, man. Because I like when John says, you are my son. Because that is what, like, I mean, how many times have, like, that is, he is their son. And to assume that he is more a son of Krypton than he is of Earth is, is, is wrong. He's definitely yeah. a son of Earth as he's a Krypton. And Martha and John are his parents. So I yeah. do love, you know, you are my son. And then hugs him. And I'm like, it's just so... <laughs> oh my God. She makes me tear up every time. It's a beautiful scene. It is beautiful. And then... Okay, so after that, I lost yeah. where we were. I lost where I was. The bus. Dude, I'm blanking on what is the scene that follows that. I'm just... Is it the diner? It is the diner. I don't know why I'm blanking on it. So we fly, jump again in the future and kind of following the events of after the oil rig, he gets a job at like a bar slash diner. 
Which, again, with time jumps, this could be days after the the oil wreck, or it could be weeks, or even months, potentially. Even years, we don't know. It's been yeah. a long... It's, he, he keeps make, creating fake identities. Like, this is... Which he does tell Lois, then I'll just disappear again <laughs> for a while. So, obviously, he has this pattern of, like, he disappears for a lengthy amount of time before he shows back up again under it's a like he needs food, so he could just disappear, not have a job, be fine. Yeah. But yeah, so then he has his job at the diner, and you see his trucker show up, who's a great A jerk. And Clark's kind of listening on these Canadian um, army officials that are talking about how the Americans are up north and they're looking for something. But his instincts, I like how he could keep listening to that, which could, which of course is about his the um, Genesis Chamber, I think they called it. Yeah, but he, so he's listening to that. But he decides to look over this girl who obviously he's close with. I don't know if it's his girlfriend or just someone who he is good friends at the time who is being harassed by that jerk trucker. And so then, you know, Clark steps in. He goes, hey, man, leave her alone, which I think is like the – I think that's the first time we see we hear Henry Cavill speak. Yeah. Is, you know, what I think is cool, the first thing he says is, you know, to leave someone alone. He's trying to help. And yeah. the guy, like, tries to pick a fight with him and – grabs like a pitcher of like beer and like pours it on Clark's head and Clark just kind of looks at him like he's like for real and the guy tries to shove him it's my favorite thing because he shoves him and like almost he does backwards. not move it's almost like you know what the point they're making is but it's almost like they nailed Henry Cavill to the floor so he wouldn't move he not but... all he does not shift I, what did he do <laughs> in his shoes like he just doesn't move and the guy like falls almost falls backwards and then Clark, he looks like he's looks like he's about to take a step forward, and the girl says, "It's not worth it, you know. Don't worry about it, you know." Yeah. So then Clark takes off his apron. What I think is funny is you notice when Clark says take off his apron because he raises his hand because he's taking off his apron. Mm-hmm. The guy sh- flinches because he thinks he's gonna get hit. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know Clark takes it off. And he walks out. And the guy throws a beer can at him. It reminds then, me of the diner scene in Superman Two. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and then which then I think it's funny how then Superman and Lois they take both what happens in Man of Steel and Superman Two and put it into one scene. Yeah, with that jerk at the diner, which is awesome. Um, but then you know, that, that like, was one of my favorites. That's in season three, right? With um, yeah. Candace's dad. That is like one of my all-time favorite scenes. That one's a good scene. <laughs> I love that so much. But then, um, so then he, where was I? Oh yeah, so it's hours later and it's like dark. The guy, the jerk trucker, comes outside, and his truck is destroyed. Like he has a log. Telephone poles are going through it, and like, cause he had like logs on his truck too, and Superman yeah. took his log and shoved it through the engine. Which fun fact, that was practically done. It was a miniature, but what they did was they got a shot of the of the miniature of actually sticking wood through a truck, and then super and then not superimposed it, but like, I guess superimposed it, whatever. Edited it into that scene, so mm-hmm. it's actually like <laughs> something. It's it's actually real. It's a miniature, but it's real. Whatever, that was cool. Um, and it shows Clark once again dipping and trying to get a, a ride up north, and then we see Lois. And then this is the interesting thing because we know it can't be too long. This scene can't be too long after that one because they've already talked about the spaceship. Yeah. And then he's at the spaceship site. So we can't. We don't have it too long, but it's been some yeah. amount of time, but not because he already has a job. At the station, because then Lois shows up, and like mm-hmm. I think it's funny. When I first watched it, I didn't realize who it was, but he helps her off the helicopter and takes her bags. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that till I watched it. Like, okay, when I first watched it, well, I, he's like wearing a hood and stuff, so it's like really yeah. hard to tell that it's him. 
Because he got like a hat and hood and big jacket on, and he and you not and the camera's not focused on him at all. Yeah, it's only if you're looking at who's grabbing the bags. Wait, that's Superman, you know? Yeah, I think Amy Adams is fantastic, but her red hair will always make her a better Iris West in my eyes than a Lois Lane. I just yeah. think she has the perfect hair color, and she she does a great reporter role. Like she's an amazing reporter. Mm-hmm. So that's my fan cast. But <laughs> that's your fan cast. That's a good fan cast, actually. <laughs> Because Lois and Iris is, is that Lois is insane when it comes to journalism. Like, yeah. in, just insane. I mean, they, if you know anything about Superman, you know Lois is kind of nuts when it comes to, like, any sort mm-hmm. of journalist thing. She's just insane. But then um, we see Lois meet with some uh, U.S. Army officials, uh, actually Air Force. Uh, you got Colonel Hardy, and then you got a scientist, Dr. Emil Hamilton, she meets with. Who then show like what they're looking for is buried in the ice, and she's like, maybe it's a, a submarine. They go, no, it's way deeper, and um, uh, the ice spores indicate it's like eighteen thousand years old. They're like, whoa, yeah. oh, you know. And then mm-hmm. later on, she's trying to take some pictures at night when no one's looking, and she sees, I don't know how, but in a picture, she sees. It's the of- wonderful magic of the movies when they can say like, "All right, zoom in, enhance." Yes. <laughs> How are Christian Sam? Because he's a teeny tiny little guy marching up along the cliffside, and then it shows Clark. And it's dark. Yeah. It's not like she has amazing lighting either. No, it's like midnight out there. <laughs> Actually, it could just be four four p.m. It is the Arctic, yeah. but it's like dark, middle of the night, dark. But like, then it shows Clark getting inside the ship. He's exploring, and then you know, he hooks his he hooks his key up because that's he has his necklace the whole time. He's got the key mm-hmm. on there. Like it's called a command key. If you have never seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, where have you been? Um, Come on, guys. In ten years, but then um, <laughs> he activates the ship. Ships under his command, and he starts following what looks like a guy walking through, and then he mm-hmm. sees like coffins, and there's dead Kryptonians in there, and there's one that's like open, and it's like whoa, and everyone thought that was gonna be Supergirl, and it turns out it wasn't. Um, <laughs> rip. Um, <laughs> I think they're trying to do something with it, but. There is a theory that goes that that's like like the Greek gods. I disagree with this theory. This is like Zach made a lot of great decisions. This 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 didn't happen, but this was an idea that he had that I don't totally agree with. But like that Kryptonian eighteen thousand years ago basically would have been like his his children or whatever were like the Greek gods. That's why they were so powerful and like mm-hmm. like well then darks the apocalypse forgot or never really came back to try to fight again is the same reason they didn't bother Krypton because they were afraid of them. Um, but the Greek gods were Kryptonians and I don't like that theory because I'm like, they don't have any powers that match. I mean, you could say Ares because he's just brute strength. So you just could say that's yeah. a Kryptonian level strength. But like, throwing yeah, doesn't, really. doesn't really match that of like Kryptonians. I, I mean, like you could say Ares was a Kryptonian, right? Mm-hmm. Just the massive brute strength. I'm like, yeah, you could say it's definitely. Yeah, but I also watched no. Wonder Woman not too long ago, and like, he doesn't match anything like Kryptonian. No, that's why I liked that. Like, Zack Snyder realized that was dumb and didn't go with that theory. Yeah, like he's like, that's dumb. Anyways, though, then Lois makes her way up in the ship, and she gets in some trouble, and she gets like, you, you know, the robots have like a little self defensing, and they attack her because they're like, whoa, and they smack her, and she goes flying through the wall, and then Clark has to come out of nowhere. And he breaks the thing. Mm-hmm. It's gonna hurt her. And he like 
I do like, like, <clears throat> so obviously that robot wasn't obviously there. Like, or it wasn't obviously fighting him. But, like, you can see, like, his muscles tense up <laughs> and he's, like, trying to, like, stop it. Yeah. And it's not, like, just, like, oh, wow, yeah, you know, like, oh, no. It's, like. He has a hat holding. I, I want to imagine they had like some sort of crane that was flinging around that he was actually holding on to. Yeah. Yeah. So something like, like that. Or like in Captain America Civil War when Chris Evans like jumps off the building to like grab the helicopter. Yeah. They had a freaking helicopter suspended by a crane and they're pulling on the helicopter while Chris Evans is pulling on the other He's like side pulling on the other things. He's like, ah. I'm like, they're like, we actually want to get your biceps flexed. <laughs> which is pretty genius. Although he didn't pull a muscle on his chest. So that sounds painful. But yeah. <laughs> Impressive practical effects. Why you always go practical? It's always mm-hmm. better. Always. Like, so like man, hits, you know, you hits for uh, the most recent amazing DC project, uh, Blue Beetle. It's amazing. Everybody should go see it. We'll do our Blue Beetle review, and not next week, but the week before. I mean, the week after. Next week is Superman mm-hmm. Reborn. But the suit, you can see the entire suit. They just had it up at, like, the premiere, and they had it up at, like, a Comic-Con. Amazing. Like, the full suit. Like, of course, like, lights and blasters and some stuff was obviously, like, edited in there. But his whole suit is, it's all, it's really practical. practical. It's, it's what he's wearing. It's not, and I love that. I love that. And it shows. It shows in the movie. Because it, because anything, I mean, like, whether, like, I, I am of the opinion that even if it looks not very good, everything looks better practical. Yeah. I think you need a, I mean, we've talked about this before in our episode, Practical versus CGI. Yeah, but I know that we're both of the opinion that you need to have a practical base before you put any <laughs> CGI on it. Like it just wearing a green CGI. block is not going to give the effect that you need it to. Yeah, and that's but. what they do with McManus Steel. A lot of it is practical. Yeah, and like you can see that he—I think he's pulling against something. But so he saves Lois, and then like she finds she's been hit, and she's like bleeding internally. She's been cut, and she's bleeding. So then. Mm-hmm. Use laser vision to save her, and then all of a sudden you go back to like the the mm-hmm. army base and everything's shaking because Superman's using the ship and he escapes. He I thought this out. was funny. Multiple times, like yeah, it's like negative forty <laughs> degrees, and the guy just like runs out and is putting on his coat while he's going outside. Did you die so fast? I was <laughs> like, I think they have more stricter, pr- and everybody's like not wearing their hoods. There's like a bald guy who's like Emil, like he's not wearing anything on his head. Colonel like, Hart is all but I'm like, oh, you would have needed like three. It's cold. Yeah, like he's literally putting on his coat like while he's walking out. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you would have died so fast. But then, then Lois is talking to Perry about like her article about someone saving. He's not from Earth, and Perry's like, I can't print this. You might have hallucinated half of it. Yeah, and she's like, kind of threatens that she would. She'll 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 walk. She'll quit. And he goes, Yeah, you can't. You're under contract. I I kid you not, Woodburn looks exactly like my brother-in-law, and it cracks me up every time I watch the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Cole, every time. Um, But he's like an internet blog or whatever, and Lois and Woodburn don't like each other, but she's like, okay, I need this to get out, so she gives him the story, and then we Mm -hmm. go back to Superman in the ship, who's then... The guy who was falling around was actually just a hologram projection of Jor-El that was created mm-hmm. when he put in his, his key. Um, so then, I mean, let's be honest. Jor-El put that in there because he knew he'd find the, the, the ship. Yeah, so that, that was a plan. Like, 
That's why he also has the Codex, because the Codex works with the Genesis Chamber inside the ancient scout ship. Like, right, because he knows the scout ship's there, because mm-hmm. that's how he knew Earth. And they did, anyways. So Jorah kind of gives them a breakdown of the history of Krikon. And that was a great place, and then artificial population started happening, so there was no natural births. Everyone was just bred to a certain thing. Like you didn't get a choice in what you did. Your agency was gone. Which um, kind of makes Zod as intense as he is, because that's like his yeah. whole purpose in life. I do like that. Yeah, that's his whole purpose. And they talk about how Zod tried to take over. And then I love the reference to Christopher Reeve Superman when it's showing. I saw that his ship looks like the Christopher Reeve ship. Yeah, yeah, it does. He gets sent out. Yeah, because if you, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, a where have you been? Again, where the heck? Um, But you knew we were going to do this. He's showing like this um, depiction of what's happening. On Krypton, and when they show the ship being sent away, it just shows the circle with the S on it, like his crest. With spikes coming but, out. Of it. But yeah, stuff coming out. So it looks like Christopher Reeve's pod when it left Krypton. Which, like, landing on Earth. In the illustration, it's supposed to say, like, this is the pod, and these are, like, rocket jets or something coming out of it. But you know that it was, like, this is a Christopher Reeve's Easter. Because his ship is right. nothing like that. And the... <laughs> but then, yeah, so he gives him the breakdown. And then he goes, and he basically is like, you know, you've grown stronger here than I ever could have imagined. But the only way to know how strong is to like, keep testing your limits. And then flight starts playing, and then oh, Superman goes the out and tests his limits. And it's the greatest thing ever, because it's where he learns how to fly. I do like how, like, you see the joy in his face when he thinks he has it, because he's, like, jumping up, and then he'll jump again, you know, super high. And he crashed right through a mountain, and every time, like, I don't care how impervious you are to bullets, that had to have hurt. Yeah. And then... Well, I, I mean, like, there's things that hurt Superman. Like, yeah. you just have to be strong enough to hurt Superman. And I think crashing through a mountain is on the level of that would hurt. That, right through it, too. Like, he just... Yeah. So I do love... It's like a <clears throat> nod to early Superman, though, when early Superman could only leap tall buildings in a single bound. Like, he hasn't figured out how to fly yet, so he's yeah. just leaping, and then he figures out how to fly. Yep. That scene, and... Superman and Lois's like beginning scene. Those are both amazing scenes with yeah. him trying to learn how to fly and use his powers. I love that because I do like how he's like learning how to fly. And it's like, I, every time you see him just jumping, it's clearly a reference to like the mm-hmm. leap a tall building and a single mountain because he couldn't fly yet. Yeah, and but then Cal gets a suit from the pod. Yes, yes, he does get a suit from the from the ship. I didn't mention that because I'm dumb. You're good. And which is another um, thing that I feel like is similar with New 52. New 52, he just wears a t shirt until Brainiac attacks Metropolis in New 52. And he finds like a Kryptonian biotech armor in the, um, in the Brainiac ship. And that's his Superman suit for the rest it's of the It's my favorite life. suit, too. It's my favorite one. I don't think I have a picture of it up here. Is that not a behind? Uh, yeah, but it doesn't have the detail on it. Yeah. It has the collar, but everything else is just, like, a basic. I'm sure I could find a comic with the suit on it, but... Yeah. That's it. I'm gonna do it. I'll be right back. Keep getting the rundown on the plot. I'll be right back. Okay. Um, so then, Lois is looking for Clark. She's like, I want to know. So she does this little rabbit trail, like, working her way back. Shock's like, the the diner guy and the well the oil rig no the diner the oil rig makes her way all the way back to Pete Ross 
And then she's, he's like, oh, yeah, Martha Kent. And so then she goes talks to Martha and finds Clark at his dad's grave. Um, and so we'll, she's like, I knew if I turned over enough stones, I'd be able to find you. Um, and then they start talking, and Lois is like, I want to tell your story. I want to tell people about you. I want to give people the information about you. And then he goes into a flashback about um, how his dad died in the tornado, um, which I'm going to bring that back up again when Brian comes back because I want his thoughts on it. But he dies in a tornado. And that's like why Clark's like, my dad sacrificed his life so I wouldn't have to reveal who I am. Like, do you think the world's ready for me? She says no. And so they come to this like mutual agreement. We do not have much time left in the Zoom meeting. Brian's going to get back and the video's going to be gone. Um, yep, there it goes. Anyways, so then he, um, Lois goes back and is like, hey, I'm quitting my story. And Perry's like mad that she tried to go to another or another source. Are you back? Yeah, I'm back. That was my chair creaking. The the video stopped. Yeah, we'll take pictures and post them. Yeah. I just found the comics too. And I come back and I see it's over. And I'm like, hi. I know. I was, I literally said on the podcast, I was like, Brian's going to get back and the video's going to be over. Brian's going to be back and be mad. So um, I'm at where Lois gets back to. Um, Perry and Perry's pissed that she published the article, and he wants the publishers to sue her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did talk about the tornado scene. What are your thoughts on the tornado scene? I think it's very up in the air what people feel about the tornado scene. I, I, I always like people try to do something different from the original. I mean, not okay. That sounds wrong. I mean, like, with origin movies, because we've seen... We all know Superman's origin, so I want to show you again. It's kind of like, okay, we know this origin. Same with Batman. Every time we see his parents die, we're like, we know, we know. We've seen this a thousand yeah. times. But I like when we get to see something different about it. So I do like how Jorah... Jorah? Gosh dang it. Jonathan doesn't die from a... Uh, from a heart, heart attack. attack. What he... I do think it's weird that instead of, like... Like, the tornado's moving cars and doesn't move him at all. And he mm-hmm. just stays there, planted to the ground. But I do like how he doesn't want... I do like that he doesn't want Clark... Because he doesn't want people to know him, about him. He would rather die than let his son be exposed and be... And have bad things possibly happen to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do like that. Yeah. That's what I like about it. And that's... I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth or anything. So, <laughs> and he saves the dog. So I mean, <laughs> so what's really the problem? <laughs> he saves the dog. That's really all that matters. My thing with it is, I think Jonathan's death is paramount to Clark's understanding that he can't save everybody. Mm. Which, in that situation, that was literally something he could have done. But like. When it's the heart attack, or it doesn't have to be the heart attack. In New 52, it's a car crash that happened while he was at prom. Yep, caused by his rival. Like, it's just, like, one of those things where, like, he has to learn that, like, he can't be everywhere and he can't do everything. And that usually comes with either one or both of his parents' death. Yep, absolutely. 
So I felt like with the tornado scene, I think it's a good scene and it delivers. It's just like that was definitely something he could have stopped. Like he was right there. Yeah. But, but yeah. Just didn't. But, just doesn't doesn't want it. but anyway. I like that scene because so, that what I did what you were saying does show the fact that he can't save everyone. He has to accept that at some point. Mm-hmm. So um does Zod's warning come next or what's the next thing that happens after she goes back to she gets chewed out, and then Clark comes home, and his mom's like, hey, a reporter was here. And he goes, she's a friend, don't worry. And then that's where, she 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 cool. where, where we talked about where um, she was afraid when, that the government would take him away, and I was scared. And he goes, I'm not going anywhere, which is sad, because in the next movie, he freaking dies. Yeah. But I, I do like that um, when he says he, he knows who he is, he knows who his people are. She's happy for him because he yeah. found out who he is, but she's sad because she thinks her son's going to leave again. And yeah. he's like, I'm not going anywhere. And then Zod's like threatening her. Because then Zod shows up, which I like how we can see on the news, you know, all these things like, actually, hold on. We see the government sees it first, and they're like, we want General Swanwick to know before like some amateur with a telescope sees this and puts it on the evening news mm-hmm. and gets everyone to a panic. And General Swanwick's like, are you sure it's not a comment? And Hamilton's like, comments don't make course corrections. That is one of my favorite lines in the movie. Because it's so chilling the way he delivers it. Like, comments don't make course corrections. It's such a good... They're, they're, everyone in this movie goes 110%, and it shows. Yeah. And then we go back to Lois the Daily Planet, and Clark's at home watching football. I do think it's funny that Superman can't get drunk. He's drinking the beer for the aesthetic of drinking a beer and for watching football. For the aesthetic of drinking beer and watching football. I know. And that cracks me up. Um, but, but anyways, then I like how Martha's outside and can see something because it's Kansas. So, of course, you can see anything in the night sky. Yeah. And then we see Superman's supervision. Zoom in on it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh-oh. And then you see it on the news of the dating planet. And then the lights, and this, this is where you see Zack Snyder has directed horror. The lights cut out, and this eerie noise comes from, like, the TV yeah. in Clark's house. And, like, this eerie screeching. And then, you are not alone. And I'm like, dude, that, I don't, as much as I love Superman, if, if, my, if the lights cut out my house, and then my TV starts saying, you are not alone, I'd want John Constantine. <laughs> I'd be like get Dr. Fate or someone over here this is terrifying yeah <laughs> like when I watched when I watched that with Tyler first time we both were like dude as much as I as I love Superman and I want him to back me up in most situations in that moment I'd be like I need John or Dr. Fate I need one of them here you're like I'd rather Dr. Fate because John would just find some way to screw me over <laughs> that's true that's true give me Zatanna give me Dr. Fate even Dead Man I'll take any yeah I just need the Justice League Dark or someone from the Justice Society yeah no one on the lead can handle this yeah but then but then we see it's like all across the world in different languages Zod's voice saying you are not alone and then he proceeds to be like my name is General Zod I come from world Far from yours. I won't do the whole monologue, but I could if I wanted to. Um, <laughs> but he basically explains that he's looking for someone who's been hiding on Earth for years. And if you don't give him up, I will kill. I, I will. Like, I don't think he's going to kill everyone, but he's going to. Rash actions will be had. 
Yeah. And even says, you know, to Kal-El, I say this, because he knows his name. Mm-hmm. And then we see Lois says he's in trouble with the law because Woodburn goes in the news and says, yeah, Lois Lane knows who this guy is. So then Colonel Hardy and the FBI show up at the Daily Planet and at Lois' house and mm-hmm. take her in. And then one of my favorite parts is then Superman goes to his goes to his preacher, goes to his religious leader for advice. And, and it's also because, like, I mean, this is obviously shown in all of Zack Snyder's movies with Superman. He wanted to show Superman as, like, a Jesus Christ savior character. It's very clear in all of his movies. But, yeah, but like, in an appropriate way. Yeah. Most people, when they, in today's world, when they're like, oh, yeah, the Jesus Christ figure, they find some way to ruin it, mm-hmm. which I hate. But Zack Snyder did a very good job making it. Because Zack Snyder is a religious man himself. But, because I like when he's talking to his preacher, he says, they're looking for me. And he goes, do you know what they want with you? You, you know, and he goes, I don't know. And uh-huh. he says, I like, though, when it's showing him, basically saying, I, I, I have to give myself up for humanity to save everyone. You know, you see Clark, like the camera's positioned in such a way that Clark is to the far right of the camera, of the screen, yeah. I mean. And in the left is Christ in Gethsemane. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not even juxtaposition. I don't know what to call that, though. The similarities. Yeah. That it's Christ, to, you know, sacrif- you know, getting ready to sacrifice himself for the whole world and bleeding from every poor in Gethsemane. And then Clark right there saying, I'm, and even they even changed up. Like, I have never seen that painting before. I think they kind of added the red robe that Christ is wearing. So he looks more like Superman with the blue background. And he's got the yeah. red. Mm-hmm. To make it kind of make you think like Superman, which I think is, you know, kind of cool how they did that. And then it shows Superman showing up in front of the Air Force base. And they're like, and General Swan's like, like all right, you got our attention. And then he's like, I want to speak to Lois Lane. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, don't play games with me, General. Mm-hmm. Take Superman in. It. I got to wrap this up. This has already been going on almost an hour. All right. Let me be fast about this. I keep getting into the little details. I like the handcuffs, though. I like the handcuffs. Yes. The handcuffs Superman is my favorite thing. Because, like, he's, he's, he's this massive guy. And he's wearing the Superman suit. And he's got this little itty-bitty handcuffs on. And then Lois goes, you let them handcuff you? He's like, it's more for them than me. And then, basically, he's like, okay, General, let's lay down all our cards on the table. And snaps his handcuffs. Like, and not even like he jerks his hands or there's resistance. He just moves his hands as if he's been holding them out of sight this whole time. And yeah. just moves him as if he normally would, very slowly, just casually, and they just—it's almost like he flexes his wrist, basically. Like that's how smooth it is. It's just so cool. And then I do like though that Colonel Hardy backs up, and well, Emil Hamilton does too, and he puts he you know, pushes Hamilton behind him because he's like, whoa, and he even backs up, but Swanwick doesn't at all, and just looks him right in the eyes because he's freaking Martian Manhunter. Because he's not afraid of him. He's like, I'm not afraid. I can take you on. Like. I like when I watch that, when I watch Batman vs. Superman first, I know. I'm ashamed too. I watch Batman vs. Superman first and think, well, Swamp's kind of cool. Watch Man of Steel. I'm like, dude, this guy's a bad A, you know? Then I watch Justice League. I'm like, oh my gosh, of course he wasn't afraid. He's Martian Manhunter. He Freaking Martian with this guy. Yeah. But then he, you know, basically says, I'll give myself a community. Then he goes and Ursa, Ursa, Feora takes him and lost. Actually, fun fact at that scene when Feora's coming, and Superman's looking, and you can see the ship coming in. Mm-hmm. There's a shot where it focuses in on Lois, um, Major Ferris, General Swanwick, and Colonel Hardy, all main characters in this movie, and then just one random soldier who's behind him. 
But that random soldier isn't just any random soldier. He is the he is the he he played the little boy at the beginning of Superman the movie in 1978. Wow. That's the little boy just growing up. So it wasn't just like a random soldier in a shot with all these main characters. It, he was there on purpose because he is, he at one point was Superman, just baby Superman. You're like, love, love the respect to like the other versions. Gotta love that. I love okay. everyone with respect to Christopher Reeve though. Everyone and anything you do, there's always some sort of like reference to a Christopher because he is Superman. Let's be honest. Yeah. Tyler Hoechlin, Brendan Routh, Henry Cavill, hopefully David Cornsweet, you know, great Superman, but all of them at some point pay some sort of homage to Christopher Reeve. Oh, yeah. And, and rightfully so. It's like people making references to like, or something to like Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. Because they're just like very pivotal characters of their generation. Anyway, but uh, then he goes up to General Zod shit with Lois Lane because I want Lois. And then, you know, he inceptions his mind. He goes inside his mind while he's asleep, which is clearly a reference to Inception. Yeah. I mean, Nolan works on this movie, so it has to be. Anyway. <laughs> so then, straight up, he finds out where he lives and kind of what's going on. And he, and he just steals from Superman's mind when he's sleeping and in a dream. And then kind of confesses to him, I killed Jor-El and I regret it. But if I had to do it over again, I would. I would do it again. Yeah. Which is like... I love that line because it shows how much he is committed to his cause because he wants to restore Krypton. So he releases the world engine and he starts to Earth. And Superman has an idea because Jor-El tells Lois and then tells Superman that there is a way to stop him. And then he and, Jor- he and Zod get in a fight because Zod goes down and he threatens his mom with my favorite scene. He grabs I don't know if people think that's a bad scene. I like that. I like when a superhero goes and avenges their mom or protects her. Like, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I just, I see, every once in a while, I see a post. It's like, it's once in a blue moon I see a negative post about that scene. I'm like, so if someone's starting to your mom, you just what, let it happen? Yeah. This is like, not one of those scenes where I'm like, oh, multiverse. I actually genuinely really enjoy that scene. Like, any version of Superman always defends his mom. It's yeah. his mom. And usually, it's the only parent he has left. Yeah. Which, in this case, it is. So, I like how Zod is already grabbed her by the throat and thrown on the ground. You know, and now he's yelling at her something. He's yelling, where is the codex? Because I couldn't find it. And then Superman just smashes him through a couple buildings. And then smacks, smashing his face in. And they go flying through a gas station, which is what... And then Superman yells, you think you can threaten my mother? And then... They go flying to a gas station, which really does damage to Zod's, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. his, his mask. So he starts getting exposed yeah. things. So he's like in pain. And I like, as much as other people may not like it, I like how Superman almost, you know, and I do know, I, I am aware that it is a little unlike Superman, that he almost takes pleasure in the fact that Zod is in a lot of pain right now. But it is like, he just threatened, he just, he was trying to, he's going to kill his mom. So he isn't going to do anything. He's going to let Zod be in pain for a second with all his sensory overload. Mm hmm. And then Cartoonies come in and shoot Superman. He's not dead. He's just then got blown back. He's like, oh, man, that hurt. And then he fights Feora. And, like, I want to say it's, like, a version of Non. Yeah. Don't. But they never expressly name him, so. The big one, though. We'll call him the yeah, big one. The big one. The big one. He takes them on. He fights them. He, I think it's funny that Ursa, there's a couple times where, like, Ursa and Non, the big one, are beating down on him. 
And every time Ursa tries, Ursa, oh my gosh, Feora <laughs> tries to grab him. The reason, if, if, for the those ground. of you who don't know, the reason Brian keeps saying Ursa is because it's Ursa in the comic books. It's Zod, Ursa, and Non. They're the bad guys. Ursa was the bad guy in Superman 2. Ursa's always been Zod's right. I don't know why they changed it to Feora, but. But she's in the comics now, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. But that's why he keeps saying Ursa, but. And it bugs me because it's wrong. It's Feora. <laughs> and then they fight, and the Superman gets smacked with a train, and then they bomb Feora. Because mm-hmm. the same thing kind of happens to her. She gets her suit hurt, where her mask is so, and she's kind of weak for a moment because she's in a lot of pain because her mask is broke, and they hit her with a missile. Mm-hmm. Which I swear. Then Superman comes out from behind that train car, which I swear is rooms to Superman too, when he gets smacked with that truck, the bus, I mean. Yeah. And then, you know, Colonel Hardy's in, like, this man's not her enemy. And then Lois then tells Clark away to to beat Zod, which is basically they, they bomb the one the world engine with his pod. They cause the drive mm-hmm. to collide, which causes Singularity and sucks them all back into the wormhole. Yeah. I'm going to wrap this up because we've already been going on for, like, an hour. <laughs> well, anyway. I feel like we have hit a bunch of our other plot points, like, we actually have, yeah, as you've been going so, through. But, yeah. But then, I do like, though, I do like how, and I have said this, and people think I'm wrong, but I'm not. The, the, the last time the military got involved in an MCU catastrophe, like in the movies, was the police in Avengers. Other than that, yeah. it's kind of the superheroes do everything. Where in every single, like, in Man of Steel, Batman Superman, and Justice League, you see the military getting involved. Like, Superman does this with the aid of the Air Force. This attack mm-hmm. on on then Zod when they go and... Because it's the Air Force that goes and attacks Zod over Metropolis, and Superman goes to take out the world engine in, in somewhere in the Indian Ocean. And well, that's, that's not just like, a DC, that's actually that's like a DC thing, I feel like. That they always have, like, the Air Force help them. Like, in... Um, I like the military. Always. The, um, the Throne of Atlantis comic... Like the military is very heavily involved in that one, and military is involved in Justice Origin too. Yeah, I do like how DC is very much like the military is not going to sit back and do nothing. Yeah, they're very involved in because I mean, aliens no aliens. Military is going to get involved, whereas I'm sure in Marvel comics they do, but in the movies they don't. Mm-hmm. Like the last time the military was involved was in Avengers. And then they just kind of stopped getting involved after that. Yeah. Well, and it's because, like, they use, like, pseudo-government organizations to take the place of the military, basically. Yeah, but then S.H.I.E.L.D. gets, like, destabilized. Yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D., well, you got S.H.I.E.L.D., S.W.O.R.D. S.W.O.R.D. doesn't show up, though, until, like, after Endgame. Yeah, Saber. Yeah, but these, these these shadow organizations don't show up till later on, which is what I mean. <laughs> I'm glad some sort of government is getting involved with a catastrophe, not in my personal life. But I'm glad they're getting involved in like this catastrophe. But it's like an end game. I don't know. I would have summoned the U.S. military. Yeah, yeah I mean, prop, I, we we can see guns can kill the the outriders. Right. There are multiple people on that team that have guns. <laughs> so why didn't they just call it like? Just at least some Navy SEALs. But that's yeah. my beef. Anyways, so Superman 
takes out the world engine and it's in the Indian Ocean, which I think is such a cool feat of strength because he's weak around it. And he was yeah. thrown under the gravity machine that's manipulating gravity to turn Earth into Krypton. They're terraforming. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a cool feat of strength. He goes up and destroys it, which then causes the world engine to shut off. So now Metropolis is in danger from that. And then Fayor shows back up, try to kill Hardy, Emil, and Lois. And then they crash the plane, which I don't, I, I don't, I, I personally think Hamilton and Hardy got sucked into the Phantom Zone. I don't want to think they're dead. They were such cool characters. Mm-hmm. Um, they crash it in the Phantom, the Phantom drives collide, and causing all the Kryptonians to be sucked in, except for Zod and Superman. Because Superman then saves Lois and then they're like, oh, we won. Everything's cool now. And then they hear something shift and Zod comes climbing out of the wreckage. Because he was in another ship at the time. I told yeah. you crowd. Yeah, he was in the um, the ancient scout ship. He stole that from. Yep. Stole it. Which is how it ends up in Metropolis because then they crash it. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> then, you know, Superman looks at him and Zod's like, dude, no matter how reaction I take, no matter how violent or cruel... It's for the greater good of my people. Yeah. And then he then he says, like, because that's how I was born. Like, that's the way I was made. Basically. Which, I do like. Like, Terrence Stamp was just mean. But Zod, his whole purpose was for the people of Krypton. And now his home has been destroyed. So he would do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to protect what's left of his people. And, and and while the rest of us see that see what he's doing as like not very good, Zod only sees it as doing what's right for his people. Mm-hmm. And then when all of them get sucked in the Phantom Zone, it is like my whole purpose in life was for my was to protect my people, and now I have none left. And he doesn't even count Superman, of course, because he thinks he's a traitor. Yeah, and like and, and like how there's an actual like reasoning behind what he does besides yeah. being a jerk. And Brian and I, I, we, I don't think we've ever mentioned it on the podcast, but we've talked multiple times about how that's how you do Zod. Zod can't be like just an evil bad guy, like your generic bad guy. He has to be like motivated, motivated, because like right now in comic books, Zod's no longer a bad guy because he saved Kandor and took it to another planet, and he had a little scuffle with the Green Lantern Corps because the Green Lantern Corps is like, hey you know, we're the universe's protectors and, like, kind of basically, like, saying you don't have a permit. Basically, that's what they were saying. And then Zod is just like, well, this is my planet now, and he totally, like, wrecks the Green Lanterns because they're freaking all Kryptonians. And the planet had two suns, so they're, like, double powerful. It was a whole storyline. But anyways, Zod's not been a bad guy since then because he has his own planet, he has his own Kryptonians, like, he's building his own Kryptonian society. And that's all and he like, ever wanted. Because he, and it is like, Zod is motivated by serving his people. Yeah. Once he had his people back, like the reason he was even a bad guy, he and Jor El were friends until the Council of Krypton was killing Krypton. And he and Jor El had a difference of opinion on how to save Yeah, him. on how to do it. Yeah. Before then, they were friends, which is why now, like, I'm not saying they're the best of friends, but he and Cal worked together on the Coalition of Planets. Yeah. They're no longer enemies. It's not like they're best friends, but they're not enemies anymore. Yeah. Zod's a, re- a representative of Krypton, I think, for the United Planets, and Superman's a representative for Earth. Which I think is funny. 
that it's yeah. like but at the same time earth really has no other way of getting there and earth already has like man pretty much everywhere else yeah but if you, I mean, if you, like, people are like, well, Zod could just be a bad guy. No, he needs that motivation. Darkseid could just be, like, a villain for villain's yeah. sake. Yeah, Darkseid, you can just be like, he is just a bad dude, and that is 100% okay. <laughs> He's just a jerk, and that's fine. But All he wants Zod, is anti-life. <laughs> and I do like how, like, the whole ending fight between Zod and Superman is Zod getting revenge for the destruction of the rest of his people. Mm-hmm. He blames yeah. the Council of Krypton for Krypton being destroyed, but he blames Kal-El. For the rest of his people being killed. Yeah. I also just dead. thought of this. Zod falls into the very small group. I can't think of anyone else besides Sinestro. Who their last name is the name everybody knows them by. Yeah. Because Zod's first name is Drew. Like that's his like. Like it's Cal L. It's Drew Zod. That would be like everybody calling Superman L. Every time. Which they do. When we reviewed. Um world of krypton and that storyline he's like commander l like that's what they call him yep but we all know him as zod because we just shorten general zod same thing for sinestro he's sinestro but his first name is thal he's actually thal sinestro it's very much they go with their last names because of yeah. like their standing like as a green lantern core it's not yeah. the green lantern club for for cool people it's a yeah. core it's like yeah. they're, they're police they're military so he goes by his last name, much like General Zod. Like, mm-hmm. a general in the military, the U.S. military, you don't call him, hey, what's up, General Calvin? You'd be like, General, whatever your last name is. Yeah. He's, he goes by Zod. Yeah. But, like, but anyway, so, like, that last fight between Zod and Superman is such an epic fight because it is, like, Zod finally has embraced, like, uh-huh. not embraced, but is focusing on, and it is, like, Clark in a good way, it's, like, you know, focus on just what you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Zod did in a very negative way. He wants Superman dead, so he's able to focus on that. Yeah. Well, and, and I love the scene where he like sheds his armor because he realizes it's stopping him from flying, like it's holding him down. And then he says, "Like, where did you train? On a farm?" Rips off his armor. Yeah. And it's epic because he's like, it's almost like he's shedding that last bit of morality he had as yeah. a person of Krypton. Just not attempt to get the upper hand so you can just kill Superman. Yeah, exactly. I think that's definitely the point. And then it plays epic guitar riffs as they fly around. And mm-hmm. I do like how you can see General Zod using very much military fighting style. Like, obviously, they made up a Kryptonian fighting style, which I still want to learn how to fight us because you know how would be epic. That would be. <laughs> I'm a black belt in Krypton. Um, <laughs> in Kryptonian martial arts. Can you imagine? <laughs> but um, that'd be awesome. Uh, Zod, you can see him very much, very militaristic as he blocks, defends, and attacks, you know, whereas Superman is just very much of, if you only have kind of enough, I'm sure he kind of knows how to fight, I mean, he's worked several hundred different jobs, he probably yeah. has met people to kind of show him a few things of how to, like, handle himself in a fight, but the only reason yeah. he has the upper hand against Zod, because he spent 33 years on Earth perfecting his powers. Mm-hmm. And knowing when to hold back and when to not. Whereas Zod is just going full strength all the time because he really doesn't know how to regulate it. Well, and any this, I think this is fair for any wartime tactic. Anytime you allow um, any kind of emotion to overtake your fighting stance, you're going to lose. Which is what Zod did. Yeah. He's all rage. All rage gives you that, like, initial boost, usually. Like, you can, like, 
surprise your opponent by an initial like surge of power because like how angry you are. But like eventually you're gonna make sloppy moves because you're not thinking because you're just blinded by your need to win. Yeah. Which is what happened to Zod. Which is then what happened to Supergirl and Flash. Yep. Because Zod didn't have his mask broken. He still had control of his abilities more because he was protected by his mask. And Kara was just as much just, just fueled by her rage. Her rage. Yep. And didn't have control of her powers. Like, the reason why Kara lost is the same reason why Zod lost to Man of Steel. Yeah. They're not good control and they let their emotions get involved. Yep. Exactly. I mean, Superman probably let his emotions get involved a little bit in that fight because he's not a trained warrior. He knew his abilities and had had, had years of practice yeah. perfecting his abilities. But then, you know, they crash land into a building and then Zod, like Superman gets my headlock and then Zod's like, if you lose people so much, you can mourn for them. And he uses laser vision. He starts like coming across and trying to kill these fa- this family. And Superman, he's not a killer. So I love he's begging him to stop. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't want, he, but then you know, see on his face, his choice is either let his family be killed or kill Zod. So he does snap Zod's neck, and Zod dies. And I've seen people criticize where he like screams, and I'm like, dude, he's a, not a killer. He's been he's raised to help people whenever yeah. he can. And now he's and this is like literally the people. last person he knows of of his entire species. Exactly, it's not just anyone. It's the last person of his race, of his species. He is alone. Yeah. Uh, like, any problem with, like, the essence of the napsnecking, I can just attribute to, like, multiverse t- stuff. But, like, the whole essence of, like, the scream and him being sad is a very, like, real thing of, like, one, he doesn't want to kill some. Like, that's the point. Um, two is that, like, he's now literally the last Kryptonian. Lots of species. Uh-huh. And... You can see that kind of messes with him all then throughout Batman or Superman because you can see him try to struggle with different things because of how the world now can see him as some sort of threat. Yeah. But then he, you know, Lois helps him. And then the movie ends with then my, one of my favorite lines. It's General Swamick and Colonel and um, Major Ferris are driving. And he sees his drone crash land in front of him. And he like, my favorite line, Dennis Wong comes out of the car and yells at Superman, are you effing stupid? <laughs> and he doesn't swear. He does say, are you effing stupid? And I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> like, the fact that, I mean, it's a PG-13 movie. They could have put an F word in there and gone away with it. They yes. are permitted one F word. But they decided just to keep, are you effing stupid? Yeah. I love that line. And then, you know, Superman's like, you're not going to find out where I'm hanging my cape. And then yeah. Swan's like, how are we supposed to know we can trust you? And Superman's like, I don't know. You have to convince the Washington that I can be trusted. And General Swan is like, how are you expecting me to do that? And he goes, I don't know, because I'm just going to have to trust you. Because yeah. I think at some level, Superman could, I mean, he has microvision. He can probably see his DNA is not that of a human's. Yeah. He can see he's a margin. He'd be like, I'm just going to have to trust you because he knows. And then, then he knows something's up. Looks at Major Ferris and he's like, what are you smiling about? Or she's Captain at that point. She's yeah. Major and Batman. then. What are you smiling about, Captain? She goes, Ah, he's kind of hot. That's my favorite line. And he goes, Get in the car, Captain. <laughs> Get in the car. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, is then, you know, 
Martha and Clark talking about, you know, she, what are you going to do when you're not saving the world? And he talks about what he's going to do. And it's, you know, basically go work for the Daily Planet. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, I got to be somewhere where I can keep my ear to the ground. No one questions when I want to go somewhere dangerous. You know? Yeah. But, and then, you know, we see the Daily Planet. We see Lombard and Lois and Perry. And Perry's like, this is Clark Kent. And then, you know, very last line is, you know, where Lois says, welcome to the planet. And then he goes, good to be here, Lois. And then it goes, Man of Steel, directed by Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. I do, like, majority of superhero origin movies and comics is then, is the classic hero's, a hero's journey, right? Where the call to action and refusal and pull through the threshold and then accept that they're a hero. I mean, Blue Beetle just did it. Batman Begins did it. Iron Man did it. Captain America did it. You know, where at the very end, it's almost like they accept that I am Iron Man, Captain America, Blue Beetle, whatever. Yeah. Whereas Man of Steel ends, not with him being I am Superman, he's finally being Clark Kent. Yeah. And, I mean, even though, yeah, sure, he's worn, but he's worn the suit throughout most of the movie. And they call him Superman. And he knows he's Kal-El at the, very be- at the beginning of the movie. Like, we talked about that. But it's at the very end he's accepted he's Clark Kent as well. Like, he can finally go by... Yeah. He's finally, like, comfortable in that. Exactly. Wow. What an episode, Brian. One of our best. One of our best. Okay, we have general thoughts and character representation, but that was basically we included in our plot overview. So I'm just going to skip past that. Let's just go into our ratings. 10 out of 10, dude. 10 out of 10? 10 out of 10. I know I brought brought up some things, so I'm going to go 9 out of 10 just because I know I brought up some things. And that's still 90%. That's still 90%. they, They irk me every time I watch the movie. Not that they're bad or anything. It's just like who I am. So and that's okay. a nine out of 10, but it's still very out of, I think the problem is Zack Snyder made this movie as like <clears throat> man of steel. Like it was like, they just asked him to make man of steel and then it made a lot of money. And they're like, Hey, can you make an entire universe off of this? He would have, they would have let him have a chance. So like, it's great. The movie itself is great. And then, like, they started to try to build on it, and I think sometimes things got in the way with, like, how studios work, and Warner Brothers is infamous for ruining things. Because they wanted to be Marvel, they, but they didn't yeah. want to wait. They, they didn't want to wait years to build up. Yeah. Like, you imagine you've got Superman, Superman 2, like, an actual Batman movie, the Wonder Woman movie, a good Flash movie, the Aquaman movie, and then, like, Cyborg could be in the Justice League movie. Yeah. I honestly think that to be honest, with the MCU, you needed the three, wait, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. The how many years it took to build up Avengers? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of that team were the D-listers. That's why they made so many X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man movies. They were the A-listers. So you needed years to build up. However, with the Justice League, they've been the top superheroes of the world for years. Yeah, We could have started with the Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. Like, 
and I think we talked about this a little bit that if like like you know if I did, did my own universe, I would start the universe off with Justice League. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily need reorigins. Now, Man of Steel did it in such a different way that it's like, whoa, that was different. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. But unless you're gonna do something like that for like the Justice League, you don't really need a, ju- a, a like even James Gunn. This isn't like an origin story. He's already Superman. Yeah, when she came out again and was like. I never said I was writing a young Superman. I'm just writing a Superman story. Is he said he wanted a he said he wanted a younger actor, but he didn't say he wanted a younger Superman. He didn't yeah. say he just I wanted someone a little younger because I mean yeah. when they started Man of Steel, Henry Cavill when they started the building yeah. of the DCU, he was younger, and then Warner Bros. screwed everything over. It's like he's almost forty now, which isn't a problem. It's not a problem. But when you're starting a universe over, yeah, I would also want someone a little younger because I'm trying to build a universe here. I want to, which Henry Cavill was, he's 39 years, he's 39 years old now. How old was he 10 years ago? 29? Something like that. It's been 10 years. I mean, so 29, you know, yeah. He was a young, he was, he's still a young guy, 30, 30, early 40s. It's not that old. But like, yeah, but if I'm trying to start things over, I do, and my head is going to be Superman and Flash and Batman and Green Lantern. I want younger people so I can have them last longer. Yeah. Because comics, I can draw them over and over and over again, and they won't age. And David Cornsweet is 29 right now. So he is the exact same age that Cavill was when Cavill started Man of Steel. So people then complain about James Cunningham. It's like, yeah. I'm like, can, I, do I actually think anyone can redo what Zack Snyder did? Absolutely not. But do I think you can make something just as good? Yes. Yeah. Because I think James also knows what he's doing, and he's taking it the right way. Um, This is going to lead into another one, so I just want to be real quick about this. But um, he knows that a lot of us know these characters now, and so he's like, let's start with, like, a a lived-in universe where, like, things have already happened, and we can just tell amazing stories in this universe. We don't have to, like, do origins for everybody. Yeah, we don't need origins. I mean, we like, need origins for people we don't know, like Blue Beetle. Yeah, He's Blue Beetle definitely needed an origin movie. Nobody knows the crap about Blue Beetle. Superman does not need another origin. Batman doesn't need another origin. I don't know, maybe John and the Lanterns might need John, an origin. Johnny could definitely give an origin. Even Hal, I think you give an origin. Yeah. Because he's been pooped on in, like... Like, anything live-action, they poop on him because of Ryan Reynolds' movie. Yeah. It was bad. And Ryan Reynolds, I think, could play a better Guy Gardner than a... Flash doesn't need an origin because he had a very successful TV show that... Everyone knows him now. Everybody knows him now. You can just start up with, like, a Flash. Like, give me a Rogue story or a Gorilla Grodd story. Yeah. And I think... I even think with, with people like Flash and Superman and Batman, where we know their origins, it's okay to do flashbacks, though. Yeah. Like, if we want to re- kind of, like something happens where it brings up Barry's past. So we don't, it's not an origin story, but we are seeing kind of what Hudden be the Flash. Yeah. I think there's, there's like, that's worth it. Like, or in, um, in Superman and Lois, like the whole show is based, like he's been Superman for 12 years or something like that. 16 years yeah. longer than the kids have been born. And the kids are like 16, 14, whatever. So he's been Superman for a long time. And like, they'll reference things or he has like that one episode which is my favorite episode um where he has that like um where he's superman for the first time 
like it works like it works with the show and the, you know everything and they don't have to spend a bunch of time on his origin like it works and honestly yeah, yeah. that's what i love about superman Lost is that they did exactly that where it's not an origin story but we do every once in a while we go back in time mm-hmm. to see what he did when he first like even like the first I, that's what we kind of gloss over his origin we don't need to know his origin Mm-hmm. This is a show about him and Lois years after he's yeah. and, and they have kids now. This isn't about his origins. So we do just kind of... They flash back when they need to. There's some flashbacks when, like, oh, we've had history with this character. Like, flashback to the history with that character. Give us, the, give us the information we need to know, and then right back to the story. Yes. Exactly. So, but, I mean, okay, yeah. so, like, as we were saying, though, like, Zack Snyder, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. But we're very excited for what's coming next, Superman, because it's been a long time coming. Exactly. We've been waiting for years. Time. Everybody needs their time to shine. It's sad that Superman's the temple of the DC Universe, and he hasn't had as much time to shine as everybody else. Nobody's going to get like as much that. light as Batman. That's just a given, because Warner Brothers believes Batman is an own studio of its own and can support them forever. But... <laughs> Us fans that aren't Batman fans are getting kind of tired. Like, it's weird to say a Superman fan, you know, be like, dude, this is rough. Yeah. Like, Green Lantern fan, Flash fan, Cyborg fan. Respect for them. Respect for you guys for, you yeah. know, holding it out. It went down in degrading quality, but it's like, I at least got a nine-season TV show of, like, at least the Flash is in half of the show sometimes. That's that's true. It became worse. But yeah, with Superman, it's like just recently we've gotten Superman and Lois. Like we got Supergirl TV show before we got Superman and Lois. Which you know props to Melissa Benoit, she's great. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 not the same as like Yeah. Having a Superman project. Because Tyler Holcomb is in Supergirl, but isn't Yeah. Every so often he'd show up. He was a side character. Thank you, side character. I'm like, what is that called? <laughs> he wasn't there all the time. He was barely there. Yeah. And I, I love the guy, but he just wasn't there very often. Yeah. Since that time, so you had Smallville, which is a Superman-centric TV show, but it's basically Clark Kent because it's all Smallville. Like, I love Smallville. I think it's Smallville very much before he was Superman. Well, like, before, before he was Superman, Superman. and then. Basically, the next one is Superman and Lois for Superman. But in between that, you have, like, Gotham and all these other Batman shows and the Batman Dark movies, Dark Knight Rises. the Dark Knight trilogy, and, you know, Batman versus Superman, and Batman. Two different Batman TV shows going on, at the yeah. same, cartoons going on at the same time. You have Pennyworth now, which is a, about mm-hmm. Alfred, still a Batman character that we're still in Batman's universe. You had the Batman. Yeah. And I'm like, you know how many, I'm like, you really, you got like, like, everyone, like, oh, yeah, well, we need more Batman things. Why? How many good projects have no. a Batman? Batman, you don't regularly get bad projects, but then Superman, you, like, even Richard Donner, they made him reshoot things for the second one, so then he yeah. quit, and that's why the third one and fourth one were so weird and bad, because, well, it's like, they just pooped on him again. Yeah. Oh. But we should really... To close out because we can keep talking. <laughs> we could, I could talk for hours about this, but I won't. We have our very strong opinions. 
Batman gets too much light, but that's because it's corporate America and Batman sells a lot more than even Superman, which is amazing. Um, but that's all we're going to have time for today. Um, we're going to do our next episode on a fantastic story. Um, we brought up New 52 Superman a lot in this video, um, in this podcast, because he's heavily influenced. I feel like he has heavily influenced um, Cavill Superman. Um, we're going to talk about how Rebirth Superman and New 52 Superman um, kind of merged and how they fixed the continuity um, for Superman. So look for that episode next week. Um, we're going to be covering it. It's Superman Reborn. And like I said last week, if you want to get caught up on what it is, it'll take place in the Superman run by Peter J. Tomasi and the Action Comics run, both that are under the Rebirth label, um, if you want to get caught up. If you just want to read the... Um, uh, sorry, if you just want to read the Superman Reborn story, either read it in the trade or it's Action Comics 975 and 976 and Superman 18 and Superman 19. Um, we're excited about that. Have you started on it yet, Brian? Uh, yes, I have. Hey, how do you like it? Dude, I love Superman. Are, I love you reading, are you reading it in your issues that you have? Yeah. Or are you reading it on? I'm reading the issues that I have. Ah, lucky duck. I need to get those. You're the one who helped me find him, which I thought was hilarious. No. Well, I knew you would enjoy him more than I would, so that's why I gave him to you. We were, like, scouring that whole back corner to find all, every single issue. I know. Well, because we found two, and then we're like, the other two have to be here or something. They have to. And they were, like, in the, I don't know what the order of those comics were, but we finally found them. Yeah, they were not in alphabetical order. But anyways, we are really excited about that. It's one of my favorite um, Superman stories that's come out in recent years. It's really fun. Um, we're excited about it. As always, go leave us a five-star review, um, and you can listen to us on pretty much anywhere you put podcasts in your ear holes. All right, that's me signing off. Peace out, y'all.